Hey, let's make a movie. Dude, I have a great idea for a movie. You know, I was thinking, and you know what you should make a movie about? Making movies is easy. Ha, no, it's not. Then again, anything easy has hardly ever seemed worth it to me in the long run. Making films is not easy, but like anything you may have a creative passion for, the desire to do it, no matter how daunting, usually outweighs the frustration that the process is sometimes connected to. Now don't get me wrong, it's not all bad. There are innumerable joys connected to movie making that go along with those moments you want to bash your head into a wall. And if you are a director or a producer and do bash your head into a wall, you're kind of secretly hoping someone was running a camera and got some good B-roll when you did it because it could be a DVD extra. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dino Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And tonight... We talk about making the independent film. One film in particular, actually, which is set to make its premiere in the next couple of weeks. And our guest bottle is Elmer T. Lee, a single barrel, sour mash, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey that I turned my guest onto a while back and have used it as bait to get him here tonight. So please welcome director, writer, producer, John Whitney, and our discussion of the new feature film, The Street Where We Live. Director, writer, producer, how many hats you want to wear tonight, man? <laughs> Dude, I got so many hats on my head, I, I can barely stand straight. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of hats on the movie, The Street Where We Live, and... Quite honestly, this might be a, a, a somewhat indulgent podcast because I'm wearing some of those same hats in respects to the film we're discussing tonight. Uh, the Street Where We Live is a, is a feature-length drama that uh, was birthed, I guess, with us sitting on the front porch of my house. A little backstory to that was we were supposed to work on another film together, another Yes. Feature-length film that uh, our friend Bill Farmer had written, correct? Uh, called "Star in the Snowman," Star in the Snowman, which was based on a uh, short that I made back in two thousand and one, right? Two thousand, somewhere in there, and it was expanded into a, a feature-length feature-length film. film. Um, we were going to shoot it in Steubenville, Ohio. That's right. Yeah, because it's set in Steubenville, Ohio, yes. where I spent my formative years growing up. So I had a real attachment and kinship to that project but some circumstances played out where um the money we thought we had for that film pretty much just disappeared well it's hard you know because it's it's hard to get uh, money for a film especially in columbus ohio i mean i think the talent is here but sometimes the money just isn't here because people just aren't used to they can't wrap their head around you guys are making a movie in columbus ohio so People with new money or old money that are rich are rich for one reason, because they keep their money. They keep their money. <laughs> I'm not going to give it to a bunch of crazy kids that want to make a movie. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's kind of difficult. It's it's a hard sell, and, and um, we thought we were close, but uh, yeah. maybe for another time. Maybe for another time, because in my, in my mind, in the back burner of my mind, that film is still one that I want to do. But after we mourned, uh, for a few months, we we yep. sat and, ironically enough, we're drinking whiskey. Yes, we were. And John just said, you know what? Yeah. Screw it. Let's make a movie with our friends. That's right. I, th I think it was more like, fuck it. <laughs> Gotta make a goddamn movie. <laughs> with our friends. Yeah. So that's, that's basically and, exactly how it yeah. went. <laughs> and he goes, are you in? And like, let's do yeah, it, man. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> do I have a choice? <laughs> No, well, I mean, at the time, we were we were bumming hard because we weren't making a movie. No, I mean, you know. right, right. And uh, so I, I just, I just, I, I went in there knowing, I knew, I knew that I was going to say something about making another film. Mm -hmm. I knew, went to your house, and I knew I was going to say something. And, <laughs> and I think we, we mourned for an appropriate amount of time. I mean, we commiserated yeah, sure. and, 
and felt sorry for ourselves for an extended period. And I guess it was time to, you know, suck it up and 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 move on. And we did. And that's where this this movie, which uh, eventually was titled The Street Where We Live, mm-hmm. was uh, birthed. Originally, uh, not a breach birth, but not a, a breach a birth, nice <laughs> painless birth, a painless birth, but a birth nonetheless. <laughs> and it and it's morphed and changed uh, quite a bit from its uh, when it first came out of the womb. It was uh, it was supposed to be. John had a, yeah. an idea of a, of a. I like I, I love this uh, this comparison. You had a, a a grapes of wrath type of story idea that you wanted to kind of. Yeah, kind of create. a modern day retelling of the Grapes of Wrath right. of a family that is going to go across the country to find work mm-hmm. in an ice cream truck. In an ice cream truck. <laughs> it was a single dad with two kids, yeah. wife deceased, loses his job, buys the ice cream truck and moves across the country in hopes of getting this job. Okay. Hopes, not, you know, supposedly it's a lock, but you don't know. And then we realized we have no money. <laughs> yeah, I, I say what were I, I thought to myself? What were we thinking? Because you know, making a movie with no money is difficult as it is. Why put? It, why do a road show? Yeah, why? why how are we going <laughs> to take it on the road? Show? That's not going to work out too well. I don't. And think. who's buying an ice cream truck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know any friends with ice cream trucks, Dino? <laughs> yeah, that always seems to fall on my lap <laughs> as uh, in the producer capacity. You know anybody with an ice cream truck? You know anybody with an Airstream? Uh, yeah, you know anybody? Yeah, and nine you know times a lot of people, man. Nine times so out on. of ten, I do, which which that's, is why that's uh, the scary part about it. I know, which is why <laughs> I, uh, the role of producer falls on me. But we wound up with this movie and changed it to a single mom with two kids. Her husband is deceased. And uh, she works in a factory. This is at the height of the recession where everybody was losing their jobs and, and people were literally uh, losing their lives financially. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where this story starts and right. and the struggles that. Yeah, I mean, it, kinda, it follows this woman who is, is already kind of living at the edge of her means. And, uh, you know, when you lose your job, and you're living two weeks away from, you know, being put out anyway. Um, and, you know, you collect unemployment. That's only half typically or a little bit more of your income before. And you can't keep up. And it just kind of snowballs from there. And then they end up kind of living out of the car for a little bit. Yeah. And trying to so, um, mask the fact that they are trying to keep up appearances, for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, so nobody knows that that's happening because right. pride is, is, a, is, a, is a theme that runs through this film as well. Yeah, she's prideful to a fault. She to a want... fault, which a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they don't want to admit that they, they can't do it themselves. And she's very uh, independent, I guess is a good way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And, she, and even though she has family in town, her ex, right. her brother-in-law of her deceased husband, um, who would be willing to basically take a bullet for her, right. um, she doesn't want to bother him. No. It's not his problem, it's her problem. Uh, we have a premiere coming up on April the 21st at the Columbus International Film Festival. We had a cast and crew screening, and, and some and some some other people were there at that one. And that's what made me really happy, I guess, is that people picked up on on that pride, prideful to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, people were discussing it afterwards, like she could have done this, she could have done that. But I'm amazed because I know this for a fact. There's a lot of things that people in dire situations can do, but sometimes just don't know. That yeah, they can do them and don't yeah. investigate and don't take the steps to find out what they can do. But they 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 have the blinders on and they're dealing with their situation to the best of their limited abilities mm-hmm. as it is right then and there. And that's kind of the case with uh, with Mary mm-hmm. in this film, uh, played wonderfully by Christina Koff, who plays the mom in this movie. Yes. And and that's where the, the story kind of goes. It's a it's a simple film. But I think it's a powerful film. Yeah, and in the original discussions, we talked about that we wanted. I wanted to make a movie with, you know, like five or six people in it, maybe three <laughs> or four locations tops, you know, and we'll just knock it out in a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, I, I sure. think on IMDb, I think the cast is somewhere around sixty. That's including <laughs> <laughs> now they are. That's including all the extras at the factory, which, by the way, uh-huh. has closed its doors. Well, how ironic is that? Yeah. I drive by it every morning. The factory that we shot in, which they generously let us do, was a, a tool and die place, Correct. right? Yes. 
And I, I drive by it every morning, and, and the lights are on, and there's usually people out smoking. And I noticed a for sale Holy sign, shit. and I went, I better, on my way back home one day, and I said, the next day, next morning, I'm going to just, you know, take a look. And no lights on, no cars outside. They close your doors, dude. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, that's almost sadly and eerily spooky. Yeah. Elmer T. Lee is the whiskey of choice this evening. Elmer T. Lee, named after master distiller Elmer T. Lee. This comes from the good folks at, you got to finish yours there, Greggy, Buffalo Trace. Um, I call this my my good afternoon bourbon. That's also Buffalo uh, Trace? Yeah, this comes from Buffalo Trace as well. Ah. Yeah, Buffalo Trace. Uh, which is owned by uh, Sazerac, and they they are responsible for a lot of good whiskey. I like their that, Eagle Rare. That's out there. Yes, indeed. It's good stuff. I call this a good afternoon bourbon because because it doesn't have a a strong bite that you might enjoy in some of your bourbons. It's got a nice long finish. It's got a nice nose. It's almost sweet, but also has a little spice to it. It's a gold medal winner. Oh, that's the good stuff. Yeah, 2016 <laughs> gold medal winner, the North American Bourbon and Whiskey Competition. And here's the beauty of it. It, it is a under $35 bourbon. It's a steal. If you can find it. It's, I was looking for it in, in it's, Kentucky. It's, it's, it's hard to find. It's I have an easier time finding it in Tennessee than I do in Kentucky. And it's available sometimes in Ohio even, sometimes a couple liquor stores get it, and they'll save me one back. Mm. But it's tough to find, and um, it's it's yeah. The word is out, you know, that it's a it's a great bourbon for under thirty five dollars. That and the fact, much like with Pappy Van Winkle, when they displayed a bottle boldly on uh, the TV show Justified, the already hard to get Pappy Van Winkle became almost impossible to get after it showed itself on Justified. Elmer T. over here showed up on Breaking Bad. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that didn't help matters any either. No. Oh, if they're drinking it on Breaking Bad, it must be good. I want some. Yeah. I so want it now. If you can find it, uh, Elmer T. Lee, uh, get some. You will not be disappointed. I did uh, see the Pappy Van Winkle on the shelf behind a case at that place in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. $8,500 for the 25-year-old. See, that's insane. That's crazy. That's insane. And and that's what happens. <laughs> I, no, no. I, I, mean, I couldn't understand it. I was like, well, maybe, oh, okay, there's baseball players and football players. That's like that's I, like 950 to the The last us. time I picked up a bottle of 12, Pappy 12, um, I, I paid $135 for it. And that's not too long ago. And, I mean, that was a steal for me. I could have turned right around and put it on Craigslist and sold it for $800, $800 a bottle yeah. easily. But I, I won't do that. I'm not into the whiskeys to uh, make money. I'm into the whiskeys. You go to my whiskeys. To drink them. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah. Go, you go to my house, and they're like, there's all these great bourbons, but you'll see. They're open. They're, they're to be consumed. Now, granted, not to be consumed on a daily basis like I would, you know, an everyday whiskey, but they're there, and they need to be tasted and appreciated, and I love to do that with my friends. That's one of my, uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is to— is the, uh, well, I've turned you on to quite a few. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> My wife actually was saying something the other week. She was, she, she was you want because we went to Ikea, and that's why I went to Kentucky to buy some bourbon. She's like, you want to go to Kentucky to buy bourbon? I'm like going, yeah. And, I, and she goes, Next time I see Dino, I'm going to tell her, thank you for making my my husband into an alcoholic. No. No, no, no. I no. said, I'm not an alcoholic. An alcoholic is way too harsh of a, tour, of a term. I know. I was just a, joking. Uh, she, if, she, if she faults me for turning you into a reluctant connoisseur yes. of fine whiskeys and yes. bourbons, then so be it. Actually, you know what? I like drinking beer before, but um, I have issues where it, my stomach burns after I drink beer because of the yeast, I think. You have a you have a yeast infection? No, yes, I have a yeast infection. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you. The next film is uh, going to be way different. Yeah, you, have a wheat, you have a wheat allergy. <laughs> a wheat allergy. A wheat allergy. Sounds way better than yeast infection. Yes. But, but bourbon doesn't make me sick or give me heartburn or anything, no, so it's great. Sh- nor should it. There you go. So nor it's a win-win. Nor should it. I want to talk about... Um, 
you. Yeah. You, uh, we we met. We've we've worked together on smaller projects. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your shorter films, which are great. Um, if you get a chance, go to IMDb, look up John Whitney. You'll see all his films are available to check out and, and view. Um, a lot of great ones, but this is the first feature that we've actually collaborated on and worked together with uh, to to completion. Yes. But uh, when did you know? When did you know that you wanted to be a director, make movies? Uh, well, um, when I was a kid, my dad really loved movies, and he took us to a lot of films. I saw every Planet of the Apes of the drive-in movie theater. I, all of them the at the Dixie drive-in? drive-in or the Melody 35 in Dayton, Ohio. But um, so I, I, he, I saw I, I one of my earliest memories was seeing uh, 2001 Space Odyssey in the theater. Well, how old were I didn't you when fall you saw asleep. that? I was 69, so I was like five. Okay, because that was a field <laughs> trip for our class in, in grade school. Oh, really? Yeah, we had a field trip to go see 2001 Space Odyssey. And I was one of the, like you, you didn't fall asleep. I didn't fall asleep. I was sitting there riveted watching it and all the other... I'd say 90% of the other kids at that point, you know, were running around the theater yeah. chasing each other. They didn't want anything to do with the movie. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. You know? it, it was really visually riveting, you know. And for a five-year-old kid who had never seen anything like that before, I mean, it's before Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? And it was kind of the same reaction. I was just like, like ooh. And, you know, if you could see my face, my, my mouth just went round. My eyes are big. So but what was that's the, how it was? <laughs> what was the what was the first thing uh, as a, as a young person that you put on some sort of film? What was the first, first? Do you remember the first thing you shot that you said you know where you where you wanted to say I made this? Yeah, I had an aunt who was who actually went she she went from a uh, uh, music festival to music festival with her boyfriend, and it was about nineteen seventy two or something like seventy three. How maybe? old are you in seventy two? Uh, this would be, I would be like, what, uh, seven, eight, somewhere. Seven or eight years old. And she had, so she had a, uh, a Super 8 camera and she taught me how to do frame by frame. So I did like a paper cutout frame by frame little. At at seven years of age. Seven or eight years old. Yeah. It wasn't good. But still. But I tried. We we, we got a, we got it. She got a duplicate. She got, uh, um, she got it uh, processed and we, she had a little you know, projector and we looked at it and it was really dark and you couldn't see anything. But, you know, I got the bug that way a little bit. And then in high school, I went to a magnet program that did uh, television and radio. A what? A magnet program. Um, half the day you would go and, and you one half the day you do your regular classes in high school and then the other half afternoon or morning. I got you. Okay. So we did a radio and television. So I did a lot of radio back then and then we did TV and I was usually the camera guy. You know what I mean? And because I was the only person who knew how to focus and <laughs> and I could keep a decent exposure. And so I kind of got into it that way. But I never thought I wanted to be a filmmaker until after I was, I, I played junior college basketball for a while. That's yeah, you're six, a tall man. Yeah, 6'9". Six, 6'9", nine. Six, nine. yeah. yeah. Like, um, you almost have no choice in the fact that. That's right. We got to at least see if he can play basketball. Yeah, <laughs> at six nine. Well, I, I played in high school, and I and I got asked to play at Sinclair in Dayton for a couple of years, and I tried my hand at it, and I, I stopped playing, you know, and uh, so a friend of mine had. I thought I wanted to be a basketball coach, and it didn't quite work out because I I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to be a basketball coach yelling at kids all day long. I don't want to do that. So I was washing dishes at a restaurant, the Cork and Cleaver in Dayton, Ohio. I okay. Remember the Cork and Cleavers. I remember here. the Cork and Cleavers. Yeah. So I was washing dishes, and a friend of mine was a busboy, and he was uh, back from the summer. He went to Lima, uh, the branch campus for Ohio State in Lima, and uh, he said, "You know, they have a film program at Ohio State. You can go there and and just get into production." And I, that's what I did. So I went to Ohio State, and then I started getting into production. And at that point, I. After five or six years of being in production and being a grip or a PA, and I moved up to like being a gaffer and a camera guy and an editor, and after in about '99, I said, "God damn it! I went to school to be a goddamn filmmaker. I'm I keep working on other people's shit. Uh-huh. I need to do something." So I started making films and and really starting to dive into being a director. And I we did a documentary together back in the day. <laughs> 
I was gonna. I gotta mention it, dude. I forgot about the documentary. Yes. Oh my god. Stay on the pony. Stay on the pony. Ride the pony. Stay on the pony. Stay on the pony. Stay on the. Pony. You were so full of shit. It was. I awesome. was. I was so <laughs> full. I was so. It was when I just started doing stand-up comedy, and I had all these grand illusions mm-hmm. of where I would go and what I would do with stand-up. You know, but I had all these. For, for for being such a newbie, I had so much crap philosophy, but <laughs> that we and you and, knew where the camera was. You would say something and kind of look toward the camera look, a little bit, like da da da. John Belushi. What the fuck? Oh man, it was it was it was bad. But I remember doing that. Now that, that you mentioned it, it was fun. Is that around someplace? I think I gave you a VHS. Oh, God. Day. Okay. Well, hopefully. You'll find it. No. I, only if I look for it, and I ain't looking for it. I could, I could post it online. <laughs> I know you can. No, I won't. I know you can, and no, you won't. No phone calls, people. <laughs> Did you have uh, role models, a mentor, as far as filmmaking goes? Is there somebody that, that you looked up to when you started and maybe still look up to today? I mean, who, who do you admire as a filmmaker? Uh, that I know personally. Yeah, or? no, no, no. That you that you, that that has made movies that have had an impact on you. That well, you said two thousand one. I was, uh, I think Stanley Kubrick is yeah. probably one of the greatest American directors. Period. Period. If not one of the greatest directors of all time. Him and Kurosawa, and probably. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say him and Kurosawa are probably the greatest. Those are two, two really. And his name is escaping me, and I know um, I should be slapped for it, but uh, Good, no. the Bad, the Ugly. Uh, 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 Leone. Yeah, Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone. He's probably one of the greatest, too. Yeah. Now, Dean, the same question for you. I mean, you're a movie buff. I see Scorsese in you everywhere, everything you do. <laughs> I mean, what, who are some of your influences? Uh, I, I, well, yeah, Scorsese would definitely be, be one of them. Um, I, I like John Ford films, you know? Some yeah. some of the great films that, that he did, the yeah. Searchers, the Searchers, the Quiet Man, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I love his movies. Um, and then I, I have to, yeah, I, you know, it, it sounds so cliche to say S- Steven Spielberg, but the man has made some amazing movies. He's okay. He's okay. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's done uh, all right. You yeah. like the collective works of Corey Feldman and Corey Hain as well, <laughs> I believe. Yes. yes, I do. I love <laughs> I love all the work of the Corys, uh, <laughs> and I wish I wish that 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 one of them would have directed more. Did they direct anything at all? No. no okay. One of them actually is not with us anymore. Um, yeah, there's 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 yeah. so many uh, films. Uh, John Cassavetes' uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one that that, that pops into mind. Um, when when I think about uh, John Huston, I mean a lot of a lot of just well, there's so many great filmmakers that each have their own mm-hmm. thing that they bring to a movie, um, and it's interesting. It's interesting because even some of the great directors and some of the best directors occasionally direct a shitty movie. That is true. Well, how do you think that happens? How do you think with that? That uh, no, seriously, I'm I, I'm kind of curious. How do you think that happens when when somebody who knows obviously knows the ins and outs and how to make a movie? So you would think if they were if they make mostly great films that even their worst film should be a decent film. But there have been some some stinkers well, from some uh, of the greats. What does Spielberg make? Uh, Candyland, uh, um, Starlight. Uh... Candyland Express, Sugarland, Sugarland Express. That was a great movie, though. Yeah, but not as great as the as the rest of his films. What well, I mean, I can't. He also made 1942. 1941. 1941. Yeah, not the best film no. of all time. Although it had some of the best lines, I think, in films. Yeah, it's, it's funny how some of those. Holy moly, it's the Nazis! <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how some of those really bad movies. Slim Pickens is the best in that movie. <laughs> end up with. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh man, Slim Pickens, <laughs> Doctor Strangelove. Oh uh, yeah, Slim Pickens. You mentioned a, a great scene in a in a movie. Oh yeah, um, in another Kubrick film. Oh yes, yeah. So yeah, why, why? How do you think that happens? I don't know. Maybe they get maybe they get outside of of, of their comfort zone, or they try to push their comfort zone a little bit. And maybe they pick the wrong script. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably part of it. I think they like as far as as. Uh, Executing a script or executing a story, I think 
I think every great director has that in them, but if they pick the wrong script, then maybe uh, maybe it's not going to be as good as, as you think it might be. You when you say out of your comfort zone, do you, do you say that sometimes a director or yourself, for that matter, uh, would take something out of their comfort zone because the subject matter appeals to them or because they consider it to be a challenge? Well, I think they consider it to be a challenge, right? But some, I would, I would think, on the, but going along the same uh, the lines of maybe a, a bad script can could be the answer of why that's a bad movie. All right, so I'm going to continue to put you on the spot just a little <laughs> bit as a uh, a director and say you've got a, a few films under your belt. Can't you look at a script and go, uh-uh, that's a bad script. Why should I even bother? I think initially you should be able to. Yeah, sure. Why not? But um, there might be other pressures of wanting of doing a film. You know. Well, if that's money the, or yeah, your bread and butter or you're doing a, somebody a favor, uh, you know, you're, somebody says, you know, hey, I helped you with this film. Can you help me with this script right here and make this movie? I'm sure that happens all the time. Now, you you write and direct yeah. um, and you've also made films that you have not written. Correct. Correct. So what's your preference? Uh, you know what? I, I've, I've kind of decided that I'm not the best writer in the world. I'm okay. I'm serviceable, mm-hmm. but I need people to, to help me right. get through the, the drafts and, and that's make it what better. the collaboration's all about. Yeah. That's uh, the collaboration is important. You help me make this script yeah. better. We, uh, we, we had, we had a good time and, and, you know, for those of you aspiring screenwriters, directors, whatever the case might be, um, if you think you've written that, that great screenplay we get ready to write it again and then again and then again (laughs) yeah how many drafts we went through probably you know before we even started shooting probably eight or nine drafts. yeah at least and it changed uh just and and some of the changes were i don't want to say major but some of them were also very subtle yeah just yeah and it's amazing what a subtle change can, can how can affect the emotional content of the film, and that's and that was the case on this one. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the different hats. You're director, producer, writer. I'm producer, writer, and I will add reluctant actor. That's right. Because uh, in this one, I, I play Ben, the the brother-in-law that you mentioned earlier, that would take a bullet for his uh, uh, sister-in-law. They do a fine job, Dean. I did not want to play Ben originally. Why John, not? You talked me into it. Was it the vagina jokes? It was the vagina No. <laughs> Which, but see, John's original draft had a lot of vagina jokes in there. And as when I took, you know what? It was what? a good joke, it, though. It was a good joke for another movie. <laughs> it's a great joke. It was one of those polyurethane vaginas. Yeah, and, it was and they great... find it there, and he's like, I lost the other one in the divorce. Come yeah, on. It's a great bit. <laughs> For another movie. I know, I know. When when I when I decided I was going to do Ben, I, I I obviously then at that point I, I took it to heart and I said, you know, I I can't do that. It's not. It doesn't fit with how I'm thinking the the character should be. And uh, when it comes to playing the part of Ben, I, I want to say that uh, that part should have gone to. Anyone else but, <laughs> but me. I think you're selling yourself short, Dean. Uh, uh, I'm going to take a moment here and praise you just for a moment. Just for a moment. All right. Anyway, I'll, can I have some more LRT? Yes, you no. may have some more. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. We're going to praise him. We need to look around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you, gotta, no, you can't do it sober, but, that's for sure. But seriously, I, no, no, I, I, I think you, that. the thing is you knew the character. You, you know people like him. You, yeah, uh, you are him, basically. No, uh, that's and I'm gonna, I'm gonna. In take, a lot of ways, I'm gonna take exception to that. In I a am lot not of ways, him. No, in a lot of ways, you're him. You're, you're, you're a guy who would do anything for your friends okay. and family. In that respect, you're, you're loyal. Yeah. All right. I am. To you my have friends. a pleasant. You have a disposition that is almost like, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I never fail. It's always yeah. gonna be. Keep drinking. I like it's this. It's always gonna do. <laughs> it's always, it's always gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the kind of that's the things that you brought to the character, um, and you brought your humor to the character. Yeah, the the. the so film, I don't know who else would have played it and pulled I, it off I, the same way you did. I so, think. Come on. Well, that's the thing. You know, you, you, when you, <laughs> once you do it, you think nobody else could have done it. But you know, if somebody else would have been cast in it, I'm sure they would have taken their their the particular slant on it. In hindsight, I'm thrilled that I did it. I, I will say that I'm I'm thrilled that I got to be a part of the film in that respect too. Um, because we had a great cast. Mm-hmm. We had a really great cast. We were very fortunate uh, that we had 
so many good friends and, and family members right. when we when we made this movie. And that, uh, young filmmakers, is the secret to the success of the completion of this film is that we had such a tight-knit cast and crew that had to endure... Well, what was the timeline on the filmmaking on that? Oh, okay. So we were talking about this earlier. When we talked on the porch, I seem to think it was the fall of 2014. I think you're correct. And then we worked on the draft through the winter. Where we said, we're going to make a movie. Yeah. So I then, got the costumes. My dad has a barn. Let's that's go. Right. <laughs> and then I've I, got a camera. That's right. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. That's no, right. Let's that's, put on a show. That's not the way it works. But yeah, to, uh, fall of 2014. Yeah. So I remember writing in December, January. I think the first draft was done like late February yeah. maybe, of 2015. And can I say I appreciate your patience when it comes to those back and forth moments with the, with the draft and so forth because I am not a com- computer person. And John laughed at me one time when I was making, I, I was cutting and pasting. When I say cutting and pasting, I literally yeah. cut out pages from the script and scratched them out and pasted them and old, moved them around old into, school newspaper in, into, a, into, a, into a notebook. <laughs> and I said, I'll cut and paste. He goes, oh, he says, send me the file. I go, I can't send you the file. I can I can give you the notebook <laughs> that it's all. Let me type it out in this email. <laughs> and, I, and I did. I typed yes, it. I did. typed it on a manual typewriter. And I, I, you'd done that once or twice before, and then, then then I finally was at your house when you were showing me your notes. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you have to go out and get a computer right now. Right now, young man. And don't return to this film until you do. <laughs> yeah. This but, is the winter of 2015. <laughs> yeah, 1815. <laughs> Uh, but, Follow but, Dino Tripotis on Twitter at Dino Trip on Twitter. Yeah, I, I I'm stepping. I'm slowly stepping into the fray. Right, but yeah, we uh, I I digress. We had a, a great cast and and a great crew that stuck with us because we we conceived it in 2015, uh, 14, 14 to 15, 14 to 15. Started casting the spring of 2015. 15. We started rolling October of 2015, and we went eight weekends uh, through eight months, spread out oh, from October to June of right. 2016. And was it difficult to keep cast and crew together Not over the course bit. of that many months? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> it, no, I mean it, it was difficult. It was daunting. It was yeah. daunting, but everybody was committed, and I think that. Uh, that was a huge part of the success of, of completing this film, that everybody was on the same page as far as, yeah, we all believe in this movie, and and, and consequently, we're, we're going to finish it. Well, we tried to surround ourselves with like-minded people, right? Right. Huge. So uh, that's that's huge. And we, all, we, we kept the uh, core crew people down to very small numbers, mm-hmm. you know, so there's myself, you... Uh, Gil Whitney, my brother, who's also the DP, Phil Garrett, who's the other producer, um, Naomi Rossman, who was uh, basically, she did everything on the set, and she ended up actually cutting the whole movie. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> and she's the colorist. Um, Alexis uh, Shuknik. Shuknik? Yes, Shuknik, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Shuknik. She will pronounce, She will slap me in the face. She will slap I, me in the face as well. It'll be I, a double slap. But it'll be okay. I'm sure she's used to slapping people in the face for not pronouncing her name right. <laughs> But you know who you are, Alexis. You know who you are, Alexis. She was our production designer, and yeah, she was she there did a the whole job. time. Joe Fuller was our location sound guy, and he was there every. I think he only missed one day. Uh, Andrew Alec, who was a friend of Naomi's, who was our clapper guy, yeah, and, and all around whatever we gopher. needed. You know, and Hunter Preston was our AC, and and those are the core people that were with us the entire way, every step, every step of the way, every step. Uh, the cast was uh, Christina. great. Christina Koff, uh, Katie Stottlemyre, uh, Dylan Kosky yeah. uh, played the kids, uh-huh. and Christina played the mom, mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin McClatchy, who has been in a ton of things. Jane Mowder. Jane Mowder, who was, uh, has also been in a type of, all, all these great, uh, uh, a lot of these actors uh, were SAG actors, and, you know, and, and you know, we had to take the steps to, to do that part of the of the process and, and get that done too. Yeah, I know you're you're raising an eyebrow. Don't worry about it. We tried. Yeah, I mean, we want to be honest with people as much as possible. I mean, when we when I asked people to be part of it, I, I told them right up front, this is an all volunteer army. Yeah, 
that, you know, we don't have any money. We just want to try to do something special. Do you want to be part of it? And that's, and that's basically it. And most people, uh, uh, did the film. Most of the actors did the film with, and they only read this parts that they, the only page, the only thing they read was the pages they were in. They were in exactly. So they, they, they trusted us. <laughs> we have, I've, I've said this in a you previous know? podcast cause I had, uh, three of our, Actors who had small cameos who are established actors here in town. I had three of them on the show when we were talking about the actor's life. And, um, yeah, they were they were all great. I mean, they all committed to, to those to those small roles. Yeah, Ralphie, Osbeck, and, uh, yeah. and, and Rick. Yep, they all committed to those roles. And that is a testament to you, my friend. And, oh, thank you. Because they, they wanted to work on a John Whitney film. So... Good a John Whitney film. Good for you. I don't want to. It's okay. Good for you. No, <laughs> you don't sell yourself short. I mean, you've done some fine work, but I, I was very curious, um, and I hope I don't embarrass you when I say this, because I don't. I also don't want it to, when I say it, to insinuate that anything you've done prior to this project uh, wasn't up to par. But you said after the cast and crew screening that that's the best reception you've ever gotten to one of your films. Yeah, I, I most of the time. Especially in the first screening, which is typically mostly cast and crew, um, you know, a lot of times the reaction has been like kind of quiet and subdued. People just kind of get up, you know, and they walk out. Uh-huh. There were some people that got up and clapped. Yeah, uh, which I thought was an interesting thing. The, and those that did not get up were were still clapping. Uh, yeah. I remember two rounds of applause. Yeah, I I politely asked everybody to stay seated and watch the credits because I always think everybody should watch the credits because that's where a lot of people who work so hard get their due and the credits at the end. So I wanted them to, you know, stick around for those people. And so when the credits, uh, uh, rolled, when, when they started to roll, they clapped. And then after the credits were done, they clapped even more. Yeah, it was nice. It was, it was like a, it was like a double wave of love. And here's the thing that really was, was, uh, great about that screening is that, um, even though there were people there that were really close to it, but mm-hmm. the, that the, the, those number those numbers were very small because we had a small crew. Right, there's probably what 200 people there, maybe. Yeah, about 200 um, people. So the majority of them just had a uh, uh, outside, just knew somebody six degrees separation, or two degrees of. But of had somebody was no in, affiliation, no idea with the what the yeah. movie was about. None. And people were laughing in the right places. All the all the laugh beats were were hitting. Right. Um, people were quiet and paying attention. There was not a lot of rustling around in their chairs, which I thought was encouraging. Uh, people were following along, and and I people came up to me and said, "You know what? I'm really depressed right now." <laughs> Thank you. But but uh, you know it was, it was but in the, at the same time, you know I think people enjoyed it uh, from an audience standpoint. Sure. I think. And uh, it's an honest, very movie. encouraging. It's an honest movie. So those were honest reactions. Yeah. And, and I see all the warts, you know, because I've I sure. sat through the entire edit process. I, and I've told like, you Ugh. and I've said this to many others. You know, How do you like the movie? I go, I like it. But at some point, I think I've lost my objectivity because yeah. I've seen it in so many ways, shapes and forms uh, uh, since, since we wrapped on it. But but it was fun to watch it with, you know see people watching it and, and, and get their reaction to it. Remember the uh, first time I brought it to your house after we did the first cut through? Yeah. The first cut? And we sat around your house. We couldn't figure out how to hook up your TV. You just got in your television. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. I didn't know how to work my yeah. TV. So we finally played it. And when it was all over with, we just kind of sat there real quiet for a minute. And we're like, oh, we made a goddamn movie, yeah, man. we did. Rough. Uh, rough as shit. Rough dude. as shit, but... It had a a start, a middle, and an end. And I've had a lot of people ask me, does it have a happy ending? Um, it has a hopeful ending. Yeah. And that's all I say about that because we hope that you, uh, in the Columbus, Ohio area, uh, at least come to the premiere on April the 21st at the Columbus International Film Festival. Um, we're doing a special screening on that night at 830 on that Friday night at the, at the Kanzani Center. Mm-hmm. at the uh, Columbus International Film Festival. And the film, as we speak, is being submitted to other festivals as well. So for those of you who might be listening to Whiskey Business in some other remote part of this great world of ours, 
Um, it could be popping up in a festival near you. Who knows? Correct. Because we've sent it out to festivals as as far reaching as all the way out there to the to the west coast, and even sent one down to New Zealand, down under. So mm-hmm. who knows where you might see it? We'll see what happens. And if we get it to festivals, now I start now I start fantasizing. I have no expectations. People like it. I have some expectations. Let me yeah, yeah, can't. Yeah, I, it's just like you I know, know. you I'm can't go- get you in that trap. Dude. I'm going in low. I'm going in low. I'm going in low. But I still have low. I, I'm going in with low expectations. Can I be your bus driver? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I have no idea where the film will go. And you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, uh, if it goes nowhere, that's good too. Because as I mentioned earlier in my little uh, soliloquy in the beginning, y- you do this because this is what you love to do. This is what you're supposed to do. And I have not done it as long as you have. I've came into the game just in the last uh, seven to ten years. But um, I've been a, a, a fan of it and and have such an appreciation for it that I'm surprised it took me this long mm-hmm. to, to dive into the actual making of movies. Um, I've only co-directed one short film. Mm-hmm. With my friend Mike McGrainer, but uh, I got a little taste of it there, and I think at some point I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, because I, I like working with actors, sure, and I like working with the working with the written word and 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 being able to to translate that and, and direct people. So at some point, that's going to happen. Getting back to you uh, for just a second, um, movie making today. Making an independent film today, as opposed to say ten, fifteen years ago, easier or more difficult? Um, I I think I think it's easier, only because the expense. Right. I think if you have access to a camera um, and somebody who's willing to donate that camera to you or mm-hmm. get it for cheap or whatever the situation is, and the way of the way technology is with with computers and you know like you can edit the movie on your laptop you can add it you can edit 4k video on your laptop Mm -hmm. and we shot 4k and uh so i think in that aspect it's much easier because 15 years ago you were shooting you were shooting film baby i was gonna say did you make movies did you did you make a film on film oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. what Uh, was the film I, uh, every film until The Fixer was on film. Was on film. Yeah, The Fixer was like 2002. Okay. Uh, before that. The Fixer, by the way, that I, mean, I mentioned uh, IMDb, John Whitney. Hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Thanks. It's a short film. Short film. But it is short and super funny from- With Tim Lucas. With Tim Lucas, start, start to finish. It's great. And uh, you may have even seen it on uh, IFC. Yeah. Independent Film Channel, yeah. Yeah, Independent Film Channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it was on there for a couple of months, but I'm looking, that, that was I... my first video film where I shot on HD. Um, and before that, I, everything was film, so I had probably three or four films under my belt that I shot on sixteen or thirty-five. And dude, it's expensive, man, crazy expensive because you have to buy the film stock and uh, process it, and then take it to a transfer place, you know, which costs hundreds of dollars an hour to do. And if you want to go print, you got to pay for a you know an answer print. Then you have to do timing, and then you have to do other you know, the print the final prints. It's just a really big expense, and uh, video makes it so much easier. It does make it easy. I'm looking. Uh, my producer Greg Hansberry just uh, tossed me your filmography, and I gotta say, John Whitney, um, I feel privileged to. Uh, to be a part of a, a lot of this stuff. We did uh, South 40 mm-hmm. together, yep. which I love that little short. Yes, very nice. We, we, uh, we co-wrote that one together. Then, and For a 48-hour film festival. 40-hour film festival. Uh, we did uh, Interval. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was, that was, we stayed up late getting that one together. I, I, I got my first real taste of working with you on uh, Eroded as, as your co-producer, mm-hmm. uh, which was also uh, a nice piece of work. And that was a big shoot. That was a big. That, that was a big show. Big show for a short film. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. That could have easily, I think, taken another leap and been a been a full length feature. 
Oh, easily. It was too long. A short, a thirty-five minute short is not a short, people. Yeah, it's not. That could have easily, <laughs> that could have easily gone to the next step. Yeah. Uh, measured sacrifice. Yeah. Also good. And now I'm looking at our baby, the street where we live. Oh. Yeah, it's there. It's there. If, 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 do you exist if you're on AMDB? I think so, right? I am, but I don't have any pictures or anything. <laughs> I was like about that. to say, there's no picture for you, Dean. I don't we know need how to get you one. You know up. why? Maybe as my producer, you'll help me. I don't know how to put them up. We'll... I think you got to do IMDb Pro and you can add a picture or something. All right, I'll do IMDb. All right. You we'll talk do... to Phil. I think he can hook you up. Any advice to the aspiring filmmaker that might be out there listening? Uh, there's a, a, a producer, writer, uh, Mark Dibilis. Uh, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Also an actor, yeah. He does a lot of. He does it all. He did. He did a speech. He did a, a keynote address at South by Southwest a few years ago, and and his big thing was uh, his big thing was uh, um, the the cavalry is not coming, which means basically don't wait for anybody. If you have an idea, make your fucking movie because mm-hmm. nobody is gonna help you make your movie. Do it. Just do it. That's pretty damn honest. Yeah, and I that's actually um I watched that uh keynote address three days before I went to your house and said, Let's make this fucking movie. So it's his fault. It's his fucking fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's his fault, man. It's his well, uh, you know what? I I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that because um uh, it's an interesting collaboration, you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, you you put us together, and people would say, "No, that's not going to work," and yet it has. Yeah. On on a variety of things, and this big time. Of course, uh, your brother Gil mm-hmm. shot a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Our other producer Phil Garrett uh, involved mm-hmm. as well with. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a concerted effort by a lot of creative, talented people in order to get. And we so, can't forget uh, Robin Gulcher, who did our post sound. That's the thing. Robin Gulcher, our, com- our composer. Yeah, Josip y- uh, Geslanson. Yeah, I don't know if we're saying the last name I, right. It's got to- a lot of those funny. I, little- he's from Iceland, and I totally destroyed. Yeah, it's his got name. a lot of those funny hash marks over certain letters that we don't know which we're, if we're not pronouncing, and some of the letters, some of the letters in his name are, are have a slash over them. Yeah, I'm not good with. Yeah, I'm not good with the hash marks and and. and Slashes, we but. have a lot of listeners in, uh, in Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, we might. We yeah, we do. We might. We do. Do we? Yeah. Sweet. So they they <laughs> gather around their iPhones and listen to us. Yes. So give some love to Yosip when you see him. Yes, right. Well. That's right. Um, yeah, a lot of great people. The, all those people that uh, the technical people that and music, uh, and we have some great songs in in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so great songs. And- <laughs> We were very, very fortunate. We'll pu- we pulled off a minor miracle. Yeah, basically. I, yeah. And we're not bragging when we say that. I mean, we're. I. I don't want this to sound. Um, what's the word? I don't want this to sound. Braggadocious. Braggadocious is oh, braggadocious <laughs> is a good word. I like braggadocious. Anything, I like anything that's got an ocious at the end of it. <laughs> I don't mean to sound braggadocious. Uh, we're very thankful, and if anything, uh, humble by the fact that it was completed and finished. So uh, I will say the Columbus International Film Festival at the Kanzani Center, April 21st at 8.30 p.m., uh, limited amount of seats, so uh, you can check that out. Do you, you don't happen to know what the website offhand, do you? I do. It's uh, I mean, our website? Our, well, our website, if they want to check us out. You can look us up on Facebook. The link to the, uh, to the film festival is there. Um, also, you can uh, find the link at uh, www.thestreetwherewelive.com and go to News and Screenings, and there's a link there. Now you can check all that out, so yeah. uh, streetwherewelive.com. Check that out. Um, and I just want to say, as a, a collaborator, but more importantly as a friend, thank you, brother. Oh, thank you, You sir. know what? I appreciate I, it. I, 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 it was a pleasure working with you on this, and um, more. Oh yeah, we got to do Star in the Snowman. We got to. Oh man, people, you need that movie needs to be made. That movie needs to be made. I get to play a gangster. <laughs> I got to play that part. That's right. That's my Scorsese role, Greg Let's Hansberry. <laughs> <laughs> I got to play a gangster. I want to. I hope we get to do I've that. I've got film. twelve dollars in my bank account. It's all yours. <laughs> You're in.
That's right. <laughs> Let's go get us. That's the seed money. We start yes. with the twelve dollars. Bought yes. us a light bulb, my friend, and, and go from there. <laughs> <laughs> As I've said many times before, some of the best conversations come from a good pour. The guest bottle has been Elmer T. Lee. The guest has been John Whitney. Check him out and everything he does. The film is The Street Where We Live, and we're a little excited about it. So, uh, in closing, let me thank Greg Hansberry, our producer, as always, thank you. Uh, for helping me out on Whiskey Business, and to tell you that Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production, recorded in cooperation with the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions are those of me, your host, and my reluctant guests, and are never meant to offend, only to entertain and inform. So, uh, in closing, let me remind you that a good whiskey is like a good woman. And I've had the good fortune to cuddle up to both. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going to go with that one. So, until the next bottle, see ya. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.